reach through the darkness shine across the earth send the shadows to fly light of the world from the beginning the tragedies of time were no match for your
Christ, my living 
chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Oh, God, you are my living hope. worship you, that we can give you all of our heart in thanksgiving and in love for what you've done for us. Thank you for your willingness to come to this earth and be born in a manger and to grow up having the same hurts and pain that we go through. Thank you for your willingness to go to the cross for us, Lord, and give up your life so that I could be free. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful sunrise this morning that greeted me. Thank you for every person here, Lord. I pray that you would touch their hearts and that they would know they can trust you, Lord, with everything that's happening in their life, and they can look forward to the future with excitement because you're in charge. And if we trust you, Father, everything always works out. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to you all that are in person and online. I am Victoria, and we are so happy that you decided to join us today. As you walked in, you should have received a connection card and a soap card. That connection card will just help us learn a little bit more about you so you can stay connected here at MPC. On the back of it, you will find two spots, one for prayer requests and praise reports. We would love to pray with you and celebrate with you the many blessings that God has done in your life. And these can be turned in in the offering boxes in the back of the auditorium or to the welcome desk when you leave. The SOAP card stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. This is a great tool that you can use in your own personal study time. Now please turn to Leviticus chapter 26 as my dad, Pastor Rory, preaches on making room for the new. Welcome, Pastor Rory. Good job, sweetie. Yes, everybody, that is my youngest daughter, Victoria, and it is wonderful to have her home from college and Josh home from up in Canada, and Mariah is here with us as well. We are having a great holiday time. Welcome to everybody here in person and to you watching online around Ohio, across the United States, up in Manitoba, up in Michigan, and over in California. We are so glad that you guys are here with us this morning. And because we're in the in-between week between the, the holidays, this Sunday is always the attendance kind of goes down and stuff, and especially this year with it being COVID and everything going on. I know there are churches that aren't, aren't even meeting in person yet, but I think we got a pretty good-sized crowd uh, for the be, being the in-between Sunday and everything. I hope you all had a great—sure, go ahead. That's right. <laughs> 
I hope you all had a great Christmas holiday. Uh, I know we did. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun now that the kids are in their 20s. Uh, everybody sleeps in. Thank you, Jesus. We don't get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. And uh, then we stay around in our jammies all day, open our presents. We play cards and games and watch movies and, and old home movies as well as the classics and everything. We just have a great time. And I hope you did too. And, and it was definitely a white Christmas. And I, I had to laugh because about two to three weeks ago, I was really concerned that we were going to have a green Christmas because all the snow had melted from the other snowstorm and everything. And boy, we don't have a green Christmas, do we? We're, we're under uh, about, up in where we live, we're under about eight inches of snow. And I think down here, it's more like 12 to 14 or maybe over than that uh, down here. But it definitely is a white Christmas. And uh, getting snowed in for Christmas Eve to Christmas Day and everything, that's totally fine. I thought that was great. And then yesterday, we were out shoveling and snow blowing and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I'm ready to hibernate now that we're going into the new year. Wake me up in April. I've had my white Christmas, and, and uh, then we'll go on from there, right? But I hope you had a, uh, a great Christmas time. It does seem like you spend the whole month getting ready and planning and prepping for Christmas and everything, and then boom, it happens, and it's over, and you move on to the next thing, right? We had an awesome candlelight service on Christmas Eve, Thursday night, if you were either here with us in person or if you're watching online. Um, we had a great time. It was a beautiful, our first candlelight service ever, I'm told, and we had a, I think it was, it was pretty nice, and we found some things that we'll tweak and do differently next year and everything. But the main thing, the most important thing is we had six people accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord and totally change their eternal destinies forever. Amen? That's what this is all about. Everything we do here at New Promise Church is so that people will make a commitment to Jesus Christ and then grow in that commitment to Christ. So like first, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 says, so old things pass away and all things become new in Christ Jesus. And so as we get ready to head into 2021 this next week, what I want to talk about this morning is making room for the new that God wants to do in you in 2022. Now, I just wanted to say it just one time that way. I know this is 2021, but 2022, it just rhymes. It fills out the whole rhyme that way, right? I mean, 2021 ending that way kind of is a dud. Check this out. I want you to make room for the new that God wants to do in you in 2021. Okay, it just kind of sits there, doesn't it, right? Okay, but I know it's 2021 coming up. I know it's not 2022, but God still wants us to make room for the new that God wants to do in you, through you, and for you in this new year in 2021. Now, as we talk about and think about things that are new, I, I was thinking a few weeks ago as I was prepping this message, I was thinking about, well, I could talk about how the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, His mercies never come to an end. They are new or renewed every morning. Great is His faithfulness. All right, I could talk about in Isaiah 43 where God says, behold, I'm doing something new right in front of you, but you don't perceive it yet. I will make a way in the wilderness. I could have talked about that. I could talk about where uh, Jesus said that I give you a new commandment or I, I bring you a new covenant as Jesus does those things as well. I could have talked about that, but as I was thinking and praying and studying and reading, I, I found something that I want to share with you this morning that is where we get the title for this message from, Make Room for the New that God Wants to Do in You, and it's in Leviticus 26. So Leviticus 26, and I just want to read a couple of verses starting at verse 9. God said to Israel, and I believe God is saying to us today, that I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase in number. 
I will keep my covenant with you, and you will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to make room for the new. And the intention is for the new that I want to do and give you. And for our context, in 2021. So what God was saying to Israel back then, and what I think God is saying to us today, is that while God is, has blessed us in 2020, and while we're still finishing off his blessings in 2020, God is making a promise to continue to bless us in 2021. And I don't know about you, but after the year that 2020 has been, I need God to do something new in my life, in my country, in my church, in my communities, and just rocket propel us away from 2020 and get us into the new that God wants to do in 2021. Now, part of, of our obligation in this promise that God is making to us about blessing us continually as we're still living off of today's blessings, he's going to keep blessing us tomorrow. The one thing that God is say saying to us, like he said to Israel, is you have to make room for the new that God wants to do in you, through you, and for you in 2021. And while the idea of new is a little hard on some people because it's uncomfortable and actually can be a bit intimidating because it brings change, you know, it, it seems to me that younger people are really good with change. And I think that's because they haven't experienced a lot of life yet. And so they want to experience things. They want to experience new. They, they embrace new a lot faster than older people do. And it seems like the older you get, the less you embrace new things. My kids are so up on technology and everything, right? And I'm cool with that and everything, but I'm more comfortable with a paper and a pen and a paper calendar. You know, that type of a thing. That's how, that's how ungeeky I am, okay? But I understand that when we're talking about new, there's an exciting side to it, but I also understand that there can be an intimidating side to it, an uncomfortable side to it, because it's about change, you know, God says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever, but our same God promises to give us new things, new promises, new blessings in life that he tells us to make room for. And so I think in the uncomfortableness of the idea of change, there is a consistent comfort that God's blessings, which brings change into our lives, also comes with God's, uh, God's presence, which never changes in our lives. Does that make sense? So in other words, the God who blesses us with new is the same God that was with us yesterday, today. He'll be with us tomorrow. The consistency of his presence among us is what helps us to adapt and change to the new that God wants to do in us and through us with the people around us. And I, and I get this promise, this comfort of consistency from verses 12 to 13 where, where God says this. Hang on one second. I got I to cough real quick. Okay, God says, I will walk with you and be your God because I am the Lord your God. Now, you have to understand that first part there, I will, is a present progressive verb, which means God is saying, I will continue to walk with you. In other words, like I was with you in the past and I'm with you now, I will continue to walk with you and be your God because I am the Lord your God. I broke the bars of your enslavement and brought you out of Egypt and enabled you to walk with your heads held high. Thank you, Jesus, that as Christians, while we should be humble, we don't have to be humiliated 
humiliated. We don't have to walk around with our chins on our chest, feeling bad about ourselves and everything. God is saying, I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt so I could make you into a new nation, a new people, so you could hold your heads up high because you are the people of God. Can you give God some praise this morning for that? That in Christ Jesus, we can hold our heads up high. Ten times in Leviticus, God is going to remind Israel that he's the one who delivered them and he's the one who promises to keep blessing them in their lives as long as they make room for the new that God wants to do in them and through, through, him, through them. And I think to myself how that is so true for you and I today. The same promise he made to Israel in Leviticus 26 applies to our lives today in Jesus Christ. Because before we became believers in Jesus Christ, like those six people who accepted the Lord at the candlelight service uh, Thursday night, before we became believers in Jesus Christ, we were slaves to sin. We were slaves to our human sinful nature. We were slaves to our thoughts, to our habits, to our temptations, to our vulnerabilities. And maybe some of us wanted to break out of that, but we were unable to because we were prisoners of wickedness. We were POWs, prisoners of wickedness. But then the eternal light of God's love in Jesus Christ came bursting into our lives and set us free. And so then the words of 2 Corinthians 5 were true, that old things have passed away, and behold, everything became new. A new life, a new start with God, a new love, a new light of eternal life in our lives, a new everything. I don't know if you remember when you got saved, when you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, if you felt that change in your life. I hope you did. With me, I did. And, and it wasn't like fireworks going off. It wasn't, it wasn't that spectacular, but it was very substantial. I remember I got up the next morning because I accepted the Lord on a Friday night at a home fellowship group, as a lot of you know. I woke up the next morning, Saturday morning, and I just honestly felt different. I felt there was a change in my life. It was like the sky was bluer, the grass was greener, the birds were singing louder, the snow was whiter because I got saved in January, so we had snow on the ground. I mean, it was like everything was just better, and life felt lighter, both illuminated and the heaviness was gone. Because I really meant it, and if you really meant it, God really means it, and God's promises are yea and amen to people who really mean it and who will make room for the new that God wants to do in them. And I hope you've experienced that too in your life. Um, <clears throat> and the same God who was with us when we were saved, when we got delivered from our fallen human sinful nature. And it doesn't mean that we don't still struggle against it from time to time. Of course we do. We're human. But now we are endued with power from on high of the Holy Spirit of God to overcome those things in our lives. And just like God was with us when we were delivered out of sin and the day we got saved, God promises to continue to be with us through the problems of pain and pandemics and politics and the personal things that we have to deal with our lives, God says, as I was with you when I delivered you, I will continue to be with you because I am your God. And I will continue to bless you with new so you can hold your head, heads up high as long as you'll make room for the new that I want to do in you, through you, and for you. And part of that 
<clears throat> obedience and trust in God, to trust God with the new, and out of that trust comes our obedience. Part of that, the evidence of that, is letting go of some things. Letting go of the past. Letting go of past ways of doing things, past thoughts, past problems with pain. Even letting go of the past blessings that God did in the yesterdays of our lives to make room for the new that God wants to do in our lives. In Exodus 16, God promised the Exodus generation of Israel that he would give them new manna every morning from heaven. He said, eat what I give you today, trust me with tomorrow, because tomorrow I'm going to give you new every day of your life. It's going to be like this, new manna from heaven every day of your life. So what did that Exodus generation of Israel do? They ate the manna God gave them today, and then they started pocketing it. And they started storing it. And they started putting it in their backpacks and everything. And they, they tried to keep carrying it with them every new day. But the problem is, the manna was only good for that day. It, it spoiled. It turned rancid. They couldn't eat it. It stunk. They had to get rid of it. And they had to throw it away anyway. And you say, well, well why did Israel do that? If, 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 if God had promised Israel that I'm going to do something new in your life every day, then why did Israel keep pocketing yesterday's manna and trying to drag yesterday's manna into today and into tomorrow? And I think it's because of this. I, I think the Exodus generation, even though they, they witnessed amazing miracles of God to deliver them out of Egypt, even though God sent them out of Egypt as billionaires with gold and all of that stuff that the Egyptians gave them, parted the Red Sea, and they walked through on dry ground and everything, rained manna down from heaven every day, even though they were witnesses to everything God had done, it amazes me to realize that this generation of Israel never learned to trust God. They were still living like poor paupers, hoarding and grabbing everything, because when they were slaves, that's what they had to do in order to eat. They had to eat for today, take the leftovers, save them for tomorrow, because we might not get food tomorrow. They were still living as entrapped in their slavery. They were still living in this poor and impoverished mindset, even though God had delivered them from all of that and said, I'm going to bless you with new tomorrow, every day of your lives. Yet they kept trying to drag yesterday forward to tomorrow because they never learned to trust God. And to trust God would be to be obedient to God. And to be obedient to God for them would be, eat what I give you today, trust me with tomorrow. And so from the Exodus generation of Israel, we learned that they never really learned to trust God. Now, when we show that we trust God, we show that we trust God by making room for the new. We thank God for the blessings of yesterday. We live and eat off of the blessings of the harvest today, but we make room for the new that God wants to do in us and through us and for us, with the people around us in 2021, that's how we really show we have faith in God. That's how we really show we trust God, by not trying to drag the past forward, but by trusting God to bless us in the future, like God's Word says He will do, making room for the new that God wants to do in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in His church in this country, in the companies, in the communities, in our schools, in our relationships, in us socially and in us spiritually, we show we trust God with 2021 by making room for the new 
that God wants to do in you, through you, and for, to, for you. Another thing we learn from that Exodus generation of Israel is that sometimes when we try and bring the past forward and drag it along with us, it's like idolatry. When we don't make room for the new that God wants to do, it's like idolatry in our lives. And we get that from Exodus 32. In Exodus 32, Moses went up on the top of Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, to meet with God for 40 days. Down at the bottom, he left Israel, this very fledgling nation that God was trying to build into a nation, saved them out of slavery to make them a nation, a people of God. Yet what were they doing? They were dragging with them everything God had blessed them with coming out of Egypt, but they were still dragging that mentality from Egypt, that enslaved mindset from Egypt. And so they took all of the gold and all of the silver and all of the stuff that God had blessed them with, all of the wealth that God had blessed them with, and they melted it all down and made this golden calf. Why? Because that's all they knew back in Egypt. They, were, they had left Egypt, but they were still living like they were living in Egypt. And they remember seeing the golden calf, which was the golden god of sustenance and provision for people's lives back in Egypt. So they made this golden calf, and they were, in fact, worshiping it. And I think sometimes when we try and drag the past with us into the future, into, in, in, forward into the future, it's because we're still dragging what we knew yesterday into today and into tomorrow because that's all we know. And we don't really trust God with God's new blessings tomorrow like he promises to do. And you say, well, pastor, that doesn't make sense. I agree with you. It doesn't make sense. But I wonder if sometimes Christians live that way the way Israel lived that way. Because what we really know is the past. What we're really comfortable with is the way we're doing it today. What's the uncertain thing for us tomorrow is the future. And the only thing certain about the future is God holds it in the palm of his hand. And God says, I'm going to give you new manna from heaven. I'm going to bless you, but you've got to make room for the new that I want to do in you in 2021. And so I wonder if the Exodus generation of Israel perceived God's promises of new manna from heaven and everything else he was trying to do in them to make them into a new nation. I wonder if they perceived God's promises as a threat to their status quo. Because after all, God, this is all we know. This is all we've experienced. All of this is new to us. And so instead of trusting God, what they were in fact doing was trusting themselves and trusting the past and even the present. And I do wonder if Christians, maybe even unintentionally, do it that way today. We're very reluctant with the new because it's uncomfortable and sometimes it's intimidating because it brings change. But God says... As I blessed you to yesterday and today, and you're still finishing the harvest of my blessings now, God says, I'm going to keep blessing you, but you have to make room for the new that God wants to do in our lives. You know, trying to protect and preserve the old always creates a natural tension with the new. Trying to protect and preserve the old way of doing things, the old in our lives that's familiar to us, it's always going to create a tension with the new, <clears throat> with the new things that God wants to do in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our churches, in our communities, and in our countries. You know, we'll never experience the new that God wants to do in our lives if we don't trust God. And we trust God by making room for the new that God wants to do. And God is saying, if you trust me, 
God is saying to us today, God is speaking into every one of our lives, individually and collectively as a church. And God is saying, if you really trust me, then obey me by making room for the new that I want to do in your life. You know, if you think about it, it's kind of like wearing clothes. How many, put on, how many people put on new clothes today? Or are you still wearing the same clothes you wore yesterday? How many people are still wearing the same clothes they wore when they were two years old? How many people are wearing Depends this morning? No, no, don't answer that, okay. What I'm saying is this, church. From time to time, you got to put on new clothes. you got to take off the old clothes to put on the new clothes, don't you? Because if you just keep putting on clothes without taking off the old clothes, you're just going to start layering, and pretty soon you're going to have so many clothes on, you're going to hardly be able to move. You won't be flexible at all, and you'll be sweaty, you'll be stinking, you'll be smelly, it'll be bad, right? To wear new clothes, you got to take off the old clothes, right? Or, or what about eating? How many of you are still eating the same old food? That, that, now I'm not talking leftovers from Christmas. I'm talking about how many of you are still drinking out of that jug of milk that you bought two months ago that you've had in the fridge for two months, right? How many people are drinking out of that same jug of milk? No, that jug of milk only lasts for a few weeks. It says it right there on the carton, and, and you've got to drink it by that time or at least sell it by that time because after that time, they say all warranties and guarantees are off. That milk could spoil at any time after its expiration date. So you're not still drinking out of that same jug of milk you bought two, three, four months ago. You don't have that same jug of milk that you bought a year ago. You might have milk in your refrigerator, but I guarantee you it's new milk because you can't keep drinking and eating the old. It's going to spoil. It's going to turn rats in. It's going to turn rotten. You're just going to throw it out anyway. It's no good to you anymore because it's what you should have had or what you were eating and drinking years ago, not today. And what about this? What about changing your diet? How many of you, you're old enough to know, how many of you are still eating the same food at 55, 65, and 75 that you were eating at 15 and 25 years of age? I know I'm not eating the same food anymore because my diet has had to change because my gallbladder changed and my metabolism changed. I, I used to, man, I used to have a rock iron gut. I could eat anything I wanted to. You know what I got now in my 50s? I got a rusted gut. I got rust in my gut or something because I can't eat, I can't drink milkshakes anymore the way I used to. I can't eat pizza anymore and I used to live on pizza. I can't eat pizza anymore like I used to. Why? My gallbladder changed because I'm north of 50 and I just don't process dairy the way I used to when I was younger. And, and plus, as far as eating goes and everything, my metabolism has changed. You know, I, I used to burn calories, man. I used to be, you know, really stick thin. And you say, well, pastor, you're not fat. Thank you, I'm not fat. But I got to work at not being fat is what I'm saying. If I just ate anything I wanted to, and if I didn't exercise, and if I didn't run on the treadmill and all that sort of stuff, man, my gut would be out to here right now. I'd be bloated. I'd be a bloated mess, right? What changed over the years was me. And, and I had to change, and I had to keep changing, and I had to do new things from time to time. I mean, when I was young and dumb and in my 20s, I didn't like going to the gym. I didn't like working out. I really didn't. Now, since the uh, late 40s, early 50s, I love going to the gym because it makes me feel good, right? It helps me burn the calories that my natural metabolism just doesn't cook that high anymore, right? So what happened? What changed? I had to change the way I eat, and I had to change what I ate. I couldn't just keep eating the same things. 
Or, or this is really pertinent this time of year with the holidays and Christmas and everything. I don't know if you guys are like this with your kids. Um, we were like this with our kids when they, were, when they were younger and littler. Not every year, but every maybe two, three, four years before Christmas, we would say, hey kids, let's get together and we need to go through some of your toys. Now the favorite things like teddies and Snoopies and blankets and things like that, yeah, that stuff all stayed. That stuff never went anywhere. But, but there were many times that they had other toys that they just weren't playing with anymore. And so Karen and I would tell the kids, you know, we need to go through some of your toys and, and maybe start giving them away. You know, maybe we'd do garage sales or we'd give them to friends if the toys were still in good shape and they had little kids, something like that. Or give them away to Goodwill so people, other families could buy inexpensive, inexpensive toys that were in good shape. Or sometimes if they just weren't in good shape, we just throw them out, right? And I'd say, because kids, you know, if you want to get new toys for Christmas, you got to make room for the new because we just can't keep piling up toys in the house. Otherwise, you're going to have the whole basement is just full of toys, right? And how many people know what it feels like to step on toys and bare feet in the dark when you're walking around your own house? You know what I'm saying? So you had to make room for the new from time to time. And of course, when the kids got to a certain age, they're getting more into electronics and things like that. We made room for the new uh, in that Two, actually. I made that rhyme, didn't mean to, okay? So when we try and protect and preserve the old and just keep hoarding the old and bringing the old, dragging it from the past into the present, into tomorrow, what we do is we're creating a natural tension between the old and the new. It's so much easier if we would just triage the old to make room for the new that God wants to give us and do in our lives. So as we're talking about heading into 2021, making room for the new, there are four things that I want us to focus on today in this message, all right? Number one, to make room for the new that God wants to do in your life in 2021, number one, don't limit yourself by the past or by the present. In other words, never stop wanting to grow. Never stop wanting to grow in the Lord. Never, never ever say, well, Lord, I'm not going to because I've just never done it that way before. No, 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 it just means it's new. It's a little uncomfortable. It might be intimidating because it's change. I get that. But it's what God wants to do in you, through you, and for you with the people around you. So never limit yourself by, from receiving God's blessings by living life in the past or in the present and not wanting to grow in the Lord. Always be wanting to grow in the Lord. Why? Because that's how you know you're alive. Things that are living grow. Things that don't grow are dead. From the Gospels to Acts chapter 8, the church was mostly Jewish. The church was mostly Jewish converts to Christ, Messianic Jews, from the Gospels about John 20 when, when uh, the apostles received the Lord and got saved and everything like born again until about Acts chapter 8. It was Jews and Samaritans which were half Jews and everything that were getting saved and everything. But then a funky weird thing happened in Acts chapter 10. It was uncomfortable. It was intrusive. It, it was intimidating. It was different. It was new. Do you know what it was? Gentiles got saved. Gentiles were accepting Christ because Peter had gone to a guy's house named Cornelius in Acts 10 and took the gospel there and, and all of a sudden the household got saved and other people got saved and the church started growing exponentially and very quickly but it was a lot of Gentiles and Gentiles are nothing like our Jews. I mean, they're not like us at all. They've got different songs. They've got different habits. They eat different foods. They're very different people. It was very uncomfortable. It was very intimidating. And it was very new to the Jews. 
But you see, that was the new thing God was doing that God promised to do back in Isaiah 42 and 49 and 52 and chapter 60 and in Luke chapter 2. Have you ever noticed that stuff which is new to us is not new to God? God always had a plan to do. He's structured. He's got a schedule. He knows what he's going to do when he wants to do it. It's just new to us. That's why I think God says, I need you to trust me to make room for the new that I want to do in you and through you because I know what I'm doing, God says. And so this new thing God was doing in the church, now Gentiles are coming in the church and everything. God had promised to do it, but it was new, new to Peter and it was new to the, the apostles in the fledgling Messianic Jewish church. And they didn't really know what to do with it at first. It was very uncomfortable. It was very awkward. It was very intrusive. It was very intimidating. But they figured it out. They figured out how to adjust to the new that God was doing. I mean, can you imagine if Peter had said no to God, if the rest of the church had said no to God, like Jonah said no to God in Nineveh? We wouldn't be here right now. You know, Jonah said no to God in Nineveh, and he got swallowed up by a great big fish. But Peter and, and the rest of the church, they figured it out. And Peter said yes to God. And then Peter convinced the church to say yes to God. And if they hadn't figured it out and made room for something new, you and I wouldn't be here today. Because we're not Jewish. I'm not Jewish. You see, God had always planned for the church to be global and mobile, multinational and eternal. Made up of people from every race, language, and land over the centuries. Both Jews and Gentiles, which means the rest of the world, which includes you and me today. If they had not made room for the new, would we even be here today? But I thank God that Peter and the apostles made room for the new because that means we are here. That's a part and parcel of us being here today. So as we're going into 2021, we're talking about making room for the new. Don't limit yourself with God by what happened in your life yesterday or even what's going on today, but trust God with tomorrow by deciding today to make room for the new that God wants to do. Because God's promises for the new in you is based on his purposes for your life, not your preferences. I want you to hear that again. God's promises for the new are always bad. If you go through Scripture, you'll find a consistency with God's promises. And all of His promises are yes and amen for those who will make room for the new, but all of His promises are based on His purposes for His people's lives, not their preferences. God does not base His promises on our preferences. God bases His promises on His purposes for our lives. And sometimes... That means the new is going to be initially uncomfortable, initially intrusive, initially intimidating, because it's going, to, it's going to mean that we have to change a little bit. And that's uncomfortable, and that's intimidating at first. It truly is. I remember when I joined the, the Celebrant Singers a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and, and I was headed in one direction in my life. I was going to be a police officer, then I was going to be a prosecuting attorney, and, and I loved music, and I wanted to, to uh, for years, I wanted to be in a music worship ministry and everything, um, but just the way it wasn't working out and everything, so I had to make a decision. I had to make a career choice, so to speak, and my dad was a cop, my grandfather was a part-time cop, and I, I have great respect for law enforcement, 
and, and for law and justice and all of that stuff in, in general. And so I had decided I was going to go to the academy, I was going to graduate, I was going to do well, I was going to be a cop, and then I was going to be a prosecuting attorney, and that's just the way it was. And so for three years of my life, that's, that's the, the, the direction I was headed in. As a Christian, I was going to be, be doing these things. And then all of a sudden, on a Wednesday night in May, the phone rang while I was watching Remington Steel about 10.30 at night. And it was God calling. He was calling through a guy named Wes Rowland, who was the personnel director of the Celebrant Singers. They were praying for and needing a, a drummer and a bus driver. And I was on the phone with him for four hours. And for four hours, I was saying no because I wasn't about to make room for the new because I had my life planned out at my young age. But then at 2.30 in the morning, Eastern Standard Time, you say, how do you stay on the phone that long? The Holy Spirit kept telling me to stay on the phone. The Holy Spirit kept telling Wes Rowland, don't let this guy off the phone until he says yes. And at 2.30 in the morning, I all of a sudden decided to make room for the new. And I, I, I couldn't figure it out. I, it's like, have you ever heard yourself saying yes? And it's like you're beside yourself. You're going, I can't believe I'm saying yes. But I said yes. And then four days later, I had my drums with me all packed up on an airplane that I hadn't touched the drums in well over a year. I hadn't played at all in well over a year. I had my suitcase packed up. I had my drums packed up. I was on an airplane. I flew from Grand Rapids, Michigan to Fresno, California, where I was picked up by a, a lovely young lady named Donna in a, in a paneled station wagon. I put my drums in the back. My suitcase, my clothes, did not show up for two weeks later. Thank you, United Airlines. So for two weeks, I was living in the clothes that I had on, and plus they took me to Walmart, and we bought some clothes there and stuff, because after a while, you get pretty gamey, you know what I'm saying? But I'm sitting, I'm sitting in my first rehearsals, which was the day of the first concert, and I'm on the bus for days and weeks after that, and I remember, honest to God, thinking, my God, what have I done? I have royally messed up my life. I've never done this before. I wasn't planning on doing this. I had my life planned out. I'm thinking, what was I thinking back on that Wednesday? I had to raise one-third of my support. I don't like talking about, I don't like asking for money. I really don't. I want to earn it. Uh, I'll work hard for it and all that stuff, and I'll expect you to give it, but I don't like asking for it. I don't like, because it feels begging sometimes, and I just don't like it. So I had to raise one-third of my support for every tour I was on. My first tour, I sent out nine, I had to count, nine letters to nine people that I knew. Some of them wrote back to me and said, this is why you weren't at church for the last four weeks. You know, you're on the road. What happened and everything? And I'm explaining it to him and everything. I remember in that, that little tiny creepy a, uh, attic bedroom in that A-frame house that I probably told you about before with all those porcelain dolls on the wall looking at you and everything like that, creeping me out and everything. That was my, um, that was my battle of the bulge moment. That was my, my battle. That was my defining moment in the decision I made to make room for the new that God was doing in my life because I got tired of being afraid of the new. I got tired of, of being upset with it. I got tired of second-guessing myself. I got tired of uh, fears and doubts that things wouldn't work out and everything. I just got tired of it. And it was in that moment in time that, that God spoke to me, Isaiah 41.10. He said, uh, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, because I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I just got tired of trying to live my Christianity as a coward, and I started to live it with co courageous compassion. I start, start, decided to quit thinking of myself and second-guessing myself, and I decided I'm going to focus on God. I'm going to focus on people around me. I'm going to take him at his word. I'm going to trust him with the rest of my life, and let's see what happens. 
And it was, it was one of the greatest defining moments of my life because that led to four years later, I met Karen in that same group. And I had amazing adventures before meeting Karen in different countries around the world and stuff. But I met Karen, and I married Karen, and that led to having three great kids. That led to becoming a pastor and being a pastor for nearly 30 years now. And I've never looked back and regretted anything ever in my life. Has everything always worked out perfectly? No. But do I live with regrets? Absolutely not. Why? Because I decided to make room for the new that God wanted to do in my life. And one door led to the next door, led to the next door, led to the next door. And that is the life of Pastor Rory Gruders in a nutshell. You see, when, when God's promises for our lives are based on his purposes for my life, he purposed for me to be a pastor. I never wanted to be a pastor. I never thought of being a pastor. But God, in his infinite wisdom or whatever, at one point in time said, I want to use Rory to preach and teach the word of God and pastor churches. You see, God's, God, my preference was not to travel. I mean, I should say it this way. Even the music that we played wasn't my preference. Even the music that we played was not my preference. Now, the celebrants played great music, but I liked music that had depth and dimension and, and dynamics to it. I liked soul and just music that would make you rise out of your seat, right? Celebrants music is really good, but it's more like, it was more like light, easy listening Christian music and stuff and worship music, which was great, but it just wasn't my preference. It wasn't my style, so to speak, right? But God's promises for my life wasn't based on my preferences, but on his purposes for my life. And all God was asking me to do is make room for the new that he wanted to do in my life. Now, third, don't prematurely criticize the new that God wants to do because many times that which starts out in protest ends in praise. When we look back on what God is doing and has done in our lives. In Acts 11, the Messianic Jews were critical of Peter going to a Gentile's house named Cornelius um, in Acts chapter 10. They were very critical of him, but, but he was explaining to them that he was up on top of a roof of a house in a place called Joppa, and he was praying when God called him to go to Cornelius' house. Now, Joppa is strategically very important to a lot of things. Because Joppa was the, the harbor port of where the cedars of Lebanon would come down, go across on a barge, go across the uh, Mediterranean to Jerusalem that were used to build Solomon's temple back in the Old Testament. And it occurs to me that Peter is in the same place, that harbor port Joppa, where God was using him to build a new temple. A temple without walls and without ceiling. A temple that would be mobile, global, and eternal. He was building the temple of God, the church. And God was simply saying, I need you to make room for something new that I can do in you, through you, and for you that will grow and expand and build my church. And so Peter said yes. Now, when people are initially uh, critical of something, it's usually because they're uncomfortable with it. Or maybe sometimes they're intimidated by it because it's change in their lives, in their families, in their marriages, in their relationships, in their churches, in their communities, companies, in their countries. Now, while the way of salvation has never changed, it's always the same, 
It is based on our faith and trust in God's grace and the Lord Jesus Christ and not by works so nobody else can boast. Ephesians 2. That's never changed. Salvation from the Gospels from John 20 all the way up to today is always in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. You pray to receive. You receive. The Holy Spirit comes in you. You are born again and all things are made new with the Lord and with life and, and all that stuff, right? That's not new. That's always the same. That's the comfort of the consistency with God. But what is new is who? Who gets saved? And where they are? And when it happens? And in some cases, kind of like how it happens. In other words, people think that, well, people get saved in churches. Well, that's true. They can get saved in churches, and it happened last Thursday night at our candlelight service. But they can also get saved in homes. They can also get saved in hospitals. They can also get saved out in the community. They can also get saved in your company where you work and in classrooms and in movie theaters after seeing a very inspiring film or something. They can also get saved at concerts or they can even get saved after playing basketball and hanging out with other Christians. And, and iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. They can even get saved in coffee shops. I was witnessing to a friend of mine one time a few years ago, and we were in a coffee shop. I forget if it was Starbucks or Tim Hortons. Uh, sometimes they, they look the same, and, and history blends together in my head. Um, but we were sitting there talking about accepting the Lord and everything else and, and stuff. And I, when, 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 when I talk salvation, I, I talk more of our need and opportunity to receive uh, God than I talk about sin, sin, sin. Because I think sin is self-evident. You just look at our perfection, you see sin everywhere. You don't have to look hard for it. I think what people want to hear is the gospel of hope that says old things can pass away, all things can become new in Christ Jesus, right? So I'm talking to my friend about this and everything. And he said, well, I, I want to receive the Lord, so I guess I'll, I'll come with you to church on Sunday. And I was like, well, yeah, you can come, to me, come with me to church on Sunday any day you want to. But I said, why don't, we, why don't we ask to receive the Lord right here, right now in this coffee shop? He says, you can do that in the coffee shop? I said, you bet I can do that in the coffee shop. He said, you're okay with praying in a coffee shop? I said, I will stand up and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in a coffee shop because I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation where old things can pass away and everything can become new. Amen? Amen. So I prayed with him. Now, if y'all going to clap, then clap. Okay? Okay? You know, some people are going like, okay. I want you all to learn from those people over there because they had it right. All right? That's a good place to clap. And I will, I will always be interrupted for applause. I got no problem with that at all. So I prayed with that person right there in the coffee shop to accept Jesus Christ. People can get saved at Starbucks. They can get saved at Collectivo. Y'all don't have a Collectivo here. They can get saved at Panera Bread. They can get saved and accept Christ anywhere you are. Why? Because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. That God wants to do something new in you and through you with the people around you. What is that new thing? Expand the kingdom. Expand, change, be a part of people changing their eternal destinies forever. You see, it's not necessarily how a person gets saved. That's the same. It doesn't change. It's always through Jesus Christ. But it's who gets saved. And it's where they are and when it happens. That's the new that God wants to do in you and through you with the people around you. So don't be too quick to criticize and dismiss away that new, the new that God wants to do in you this year. Don't be too quick to dismiss it away. Go, oh, that's just a foolish thought. No, no, no. God could be using you. And don't be too quick to dismiss away something new that maybe God wants to do at New Promise Church. After all, we're called New Promise Church. Amen? 
Because oftentimes, things that start out in protest, oh, I don't like that, we've never done it that way before, often later on end in praise. Wow, look at how many people are coming to church now. Look at, look at how many people have accepted the Lord this year. Why is that? Because we made room for the new that God wants to do in us and through us in 2021. Now, fourth and finally, when we're talking about making room for the new that God wants to do, we need to stay flexible with what God wants to do in us and through us in 2021. You know, oftentimes, it's not where you are that's a problem. Oftentimes, it's not the environment that's a problem. It's always the attitude. Always the attitude about the new that either determines success or failure. Either embracing the new that God wants to do or rejecting the new that God wants to do. Either growing with God or losing the blessing. It's all in the attitude that we approach tomorrow and trusting God with. Can you imagine missing God's blessings tomorrow? because you're still trying to hang on to yesterday or you're still trying to eat today's harvest. You're still trying to say, God, this is so good. I just don't want things to change. I just want to keep eating this and everything else. That you don't make room for the new. I mean, I'm not doubting that yesterday was great. I'm not doubting today is great. But what God is saying is, while you're still eating off of today, you're going to have to make room for the new that I want to do in you, through you, and for you in 2021. I really wish this was 2022. Maybe next year I'll preach the same message and it'll all end in a rhyme that way. That'd be fun. All right. uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter 9 He talked about how God pours new wine only into new wineskins. Now, why does God only pour new wine into new wineskins? Because they're soft and they're supple and they're flexible. They'll flex and they'll grow and they'll expand with the new wine that is growing and expanding within them, right? Why doesn't God pour new wine into an old, dried out, stubborn, stiff unmovable, impliable wineskin. Because the purpose of the wine is to grow and expand. And Jesus himself said, if you pour new wine into an old wineskin, it'll just burst the wineskin. The old cannot handle the new because the old is still trying to hang on to the old that naturally creates a tension with the new. So what are we supposed to do as God's people going into 2021? I think our prayer ought to be, Lord, please keep us like a new wineskin in my own life personally, but also in us collectively as a congregation. Help us to be soft and supple and flexible with the new that you want to do in my life. It might be uncomfortable and a little intimidating at first because it's changed, never been there, done that before, but that's okay because just like you were with me yesterday and you're with me today, I trust you that you're going to be with me tomorrow in the new that you want to do. Church, listen, I don't know what the future holds, and neither do you. But we all know who holds the future in the palm of his hands, and that's God. And all of God's promises are yes and amen, and, and, and the only responsibility we have in those things, those promises, are to realize that they're based on God's purposes for our lives, not our preferences, and that God is asking us to make room for the new that he wants to do in our lives in 2021. So while we are finishing up 2020, we're still finishing up eating off the harvest of 2020, let's thank God for what he did in our lives in 2020. 
If you look a year, a year ago from where we are right now, you'll notice we're very different. And I'll tell you something, after the year that 2020 has been, we need God to do something new in our lives, in our churches, and in our country. Amen? So let's thank God for what he did as we're finishing up 2020. Let's truly take this week and thank God for what he's done in our lives in 2020. But let's also decide today to make room for the new that God wants to do in you, through you, and for you with the people around you in 2021. And that, and we can take great comfort in this fact that the new that God wants to do and is promising to do in you comes with his presence, will stay with you. You see, if we make room for the new that God wants to do, we always walk with God's presence. It's when we stop making room for the new that God goes one way and we choose to go another way. So in 2021, let's make sure we're walking with God in our lives personally and as a congregation as we make room for the new that God wants to do in you, through you, and for you in 2021. Amen? Amen. Lord Jesus, Father, we thank you for your word. It is a lamp to our feet. It is a light to our path. And Father, our prayer is that you would keep us soft and supple and flexible to flex with the new that you want to do in our lives. Maybe it's at work, maybe it's in our marriages, maybe it's in our families, maybe it's in this congregation, maybe it's, it's in whatever congregation the people are watching from right now, maybe it's in our communities, maybe it's in our countries, whatever it is you want to do. Father, we don't want to limit ourselves by being held prisoner to the past. We don't want to try and live tomorrow off of yesterday or today's harvest. We want new manna every morning. You promised to give us new manna every morning. And Father, the only thing you ask us is to make room for the new. So help us as we say thank you at the close of 2020 for getting us through this very rough year. We now look forward to 2021. And Father, we decide today we're going to make room for the new that you want to do in our lives. Because we trust you, we obey you, and we're following you all the way from here to heaven. And we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Thank you very much. Um, the three takeaways I got from that is we need to make room for the new by letting go of the old and not being afraid of the new that God will do in our lives. Uh, that was wonderful. Now, here's what's coming up at MPC. There will be no Wednesday night ministries following the winter break schedule. But on January 6th, Awana, Fusion, and Pastorari Small Group will resume. The church office will be closed January 1st for New Year's Day. Everyone is invited to attend our annual congregational business meeting, Sunday, January 3rd, following our second service. We'll be discussing and approving the 2021 operating budget. I'll be highlighting and recapping the main points of my 2021 vision and answering your questions. And we'll be electing a new elder board. The candidates are Jason Dundas, Scott Bayline, Scott Wolf, David Durier, Dennis Barnes, Dwayne Hoffmeyer, and Ron Trebek. Plus, we'll be having birthday cake, celebrating Dwayne Hoffmeyer's 80th birthday. What a great way to start off the new year right here 
at New Promise Church. Next Sunday will be Vision Casting Sunday. Pastor Rory will be talking about his vision for 2021 in both services. Practices for the Upward Basketball season begins Monday, January 4th, with games beginning Saturday, January 16th. But we still need to fill some important positions, such as game day greeters, to welcome people and families into the building, take risk temperatures, and answer general questions about New Promise Church and Upward Basketball. We also need practice night building supervisors to keep an eye on the lobby and bathrooms during practices. Both greeters and building supervisors may also be called upon to help out the coaches find things as needed and will be responsible for securing the building when practices are done. And for getting ready for another great season of getting the gospel out through upward basketball, help us out by filling these important positions. See Ron Trebek today for more details to sign up and to help out with Upward Basketball. And looking ahead on Sunday, January 10th, Pastor Rory will start a new series called Stretched, talking about how if your fears and frustrations are stretched by life, then you need to have your faith stretched by God. Thank you for being here today at New Promise Church. Happy New Year! There are three ways to give here at NPC. The first one is that you can give online at www.newpromisechurch.com give. Now you can give a reoccurring gift or a one-time gift. You could also mail in your offering here at NPC and just designate on the envelope on the lower left-hand corner FE so it goes to the finance elder. The last way is that you can put your offering in the offering box on your way out of the auditorium. And if you want to stay connected here at MPC, please email our church office at info at newpromisechurch.us. This way you can stay with connected with all of the new upcoming events that MPC is doing, especially in the new year. Now, thank you very much for coming, and just let us pray today. Dear Jesus, thank you so much everything that you have done in your lives and everything that you are going to do just prepare our hearts personally and as a church that we will just be open to everything that you are going to bless us with in the year of 2021 thank you so much for everything that you already have planned that we can just be hearers and doers of your word and we won't be scared but we will go joyfully in everything that you are going to give us in this new year. Thank you, Lord, in your name, amen. Thank you so much for coming in person and visiting with us online today, and have a blessed week. Thank you for coming this morning. Please stay 